Hi everyone, welcome to another episode of Outgrow's Marketer of the Month. I'm your host, Dr. Saksham Sharda. I'm the creative director at Outgrow.co. And for this month, we're going to interview Tim Solo, who is the CMO at Ahrefs. Thanks for joining us, Tim. Thanks for inviting me, Saksham. So Tim, we're going to start with a rapid fire round just to break the ice. You get three passes. In case you don't want to answer the question, you can just say pass, but try to keep your answers to one word or one sentence only, okay? Okay, sounds good. Describe yourself in three words. Oh my God. (laughs) Those are three words. (laughs) The next one. If (laughs) (laughs) If a movie was made of your life, what genre would it be? Uh, I hope adventure, mm-hmm. kind of like Indiana cool. Jones. Okay. Who would play you? Uh, Tom Cruise. <laughs> How many keys do you have in your keychain? Mm, two. Okay. Who is the social media influencer who's just absolutely killing it right now? Elon Musk. <laughs> or when you're not working, how do you like to spend your time? Uh, with my kids. What's the first ever concert you attended? Uh, probably some Ukrainian band. If you could win an Olympic medal for any sport, real or fake, what would it be? Uh, it would be great if it could be boxing. If you could change your name, what would it be? Uh, Tim Solo is not my real name already. Okay, what's the real name? Uh, Artem Mohilevsky. Oh, wow. Okay, what was your favorite subject in school? Math. How many cups of coffee do you drink per day? Uh, one and a half. And the last question is uh, your favorite Netflix show? uh stranger things as of right now okay cool you answered all of them actually quite fast that was good (laughs) so (laughs) time for the longer questions the first one is how would you sum up hrefs transformation from a fledgling startup to an industry leader in the amount of time you had uh is is this still a rapid fire question it's not you can actually answer this as long as you like yeah uh well this is a very broad question actually uh, <laughs> well you can pick I, up oh, one instance yeah one instance mm-hmm. well it was quite some trial and error uh and uh in our case i think hrefs is quite an unconventional company quite an unconventional SaaS business whatever you you call it we we didn't have any and we didn't want any venture funding. Uh, we didn't really follow any conventional uh, startup slash growth playbooks. Uh, we uh, left lots of opportunity on the table by not doing many of the things that are known to be effective, such as collecting emails with pop-ups and lead magnets, such as having a sales team, uh, such as retargeting people and bringing them back to your website, uh, such as uh, giving people discounts so that would so that they would buy more. So we had a lot of very popular marketing tools, uh, 
uh, banned because of the uh, kind of philosophy of our CEO and founder. So yeah, our our path to to where we are today, I think it was very unconventional, and I'm not sure that a lot of companies are willing to to go our way instead of uh, doing what like what most other companies are doing. But uh, right now, I believe the recession is uh, making some changes to the winners and losers uh, among these startups. And uh, so far, knock on the wood, we are in a pretty good position because we didn't have any funding. We don't have to, to report to anyone. And we're just going strong and we're not afraid of uh, any calamities uh, like this one, basically. And, and what would be a few examples of unconventional things that your company did? Uh, because uh, people would, I think, I think doing unconventional things has now become the new norm that people want to follow because the conventional things are leading to uh, leading people nowhere. So what would be a good example of something that people could copy? Or not copy uh, or work on. <laughs> so I can't really think of any specific unconventional thing that we did, and like unconventional is such a is such a ambiguous term. Like, what does unconventional even mean? I I just gave quite a few examples of the conventional things that that we avoided. In terms of the unconventional things that we did, okay, we didn't track the ROI of any marketing activities. So, for example, a lot of people are obsessed with uh, tracking the ROI of content marketing, of calculating the leads that every article they're writing brings them. We never did that. We just knew that content marketing is a great uh, marketing channel. It's a great way to, to grow, to elevate your company, to position yourself as thought leaders, and it has many benefits. So we weren't trying to track the ROI of that. So if that can be called unconventional, here's one of the things. We believed in, in the value of creating useful content, and not even creating useful content, but giving people value, valuable information, teaching them how to solve their problems. Uh, and this uh, had a very big impact uh, on our growth and our success. Mm -hmm. So... Do you agree with the statement or do you disagree with the statement that you must deliver on the value you promote virally in such a way that people who come in through your products on marketing channel see it right away? Mm, it sounds like uh, a phrase under promise over deliver mm -hmm. instead of other way around. And yeah, we do believe this to be true. We never tried again any any sorts of marketing gimmicks where we would call our software AI-powered, machine learning, neural networks, and blah, blah, blah. We didn't try to use any fancy language to, to position ourselves as someone or something we are not. Uh, and yeah, we, in our marketing communication, we, like, our philosophy is to be extremely honest with people. We don't, we don't, we never overpromise. We never promise people something that they wouldn't get. Uh, we never position ourselves as some kind of silver bullet or snake oil. Uh, and I think 
this works well for us. I think that helped us to establish kind of a trusted brand where people actually trust what we're saying and believe us uh, and don't expect us to, uh, I know, swindle them in any way. And uh, what has led to, you know, developing on this trust? What have you done to kind of build a community around this? Is there any kind of community that you guys are trying to build or a brand value? How did you go about that? So community uh, was born kind of naturally in our case. We didn't really do any anything specifically to to create a community around our brand other than launching a Facebook group and uh, giving people a link to, to join it if they want. Uh, community is a whole different topic, actually. And right now we are in the process of uh, rethinking how we approach community building at Hrefs and moving away away from uh, a Facebook group because it is very limiting. It doesn't give you a lot of community building tools. But yeah, honesty goes a long way. Uh, being receptive to, to criticism, being open to discuss uh, not only things that people like about you, but also things that people don't like about you. Uh, I don't think a lot of companies do this. A lot of companies allow uh, people to criticize them within their communities. So yeah, com- uh, community building is, is, is a hard topic and we are... I wouldn't say we are experts in that as of today, but I think that uh, honesty and sticking to uh, ethical marketing practices definitely helps to facilitate uh, loyalty uh, from your audience. And so if not Facebook, like you said, what other channels are you potentially looking at for doing this community building right now? Uh, that's what we're discussing. Uh, I actually recently had a poll on Twitter. I asked uh, my followers what they would prefer, Slack or Discord. Uh, and uh, most of them voted, voted for Slack. The reason I personally like Slack is because it, is already, it already has a pretty uh, significant adoption among the... Uh, tech companies. So a lot of people already have Slack and use it daily for communicating with their team. So it's not uh, a big uh, deal for them to add an extra Slack, what's it like, channel or community, Hmm. and just just switch between them. Uh, Again, this is what I like about Facebook, because a lot of people are already on Facebook. So the Facebook group uh, exists on a platform where people already hang out. What I don't like about Discord uh, is uh, a lot of people don't have it already. They don't. They don't belong to any existing Discord communities. So uh, we might require too much of them to adopt an entirely new platform that they haven't used before. Which is why we'll probably be moving our own community to Slack. Mm-hmm. Okay. And what about LinkedIn? Do you think anything about LinkedIn? Uh, I'm not an expert, but it feels very similar to Facebook. Plus, you never know uh, how much those platforms will let you connect with your community members because this is what infamously happened to Facebook pages when every business 
well, when all these social media experts were saying that businesses should create a Facebook page and invite all people to, to like their Facebook page because then they can keep in touch with them. And then Facebook simply demoted the reach. So if previously you were able to reach like, I don't know, 80% plus of people who, who liked your page, then they brought this down to like just a few percent, like five, maybe 10 and made it pay to play so that you had to advertise. Which is why I don't think that those kinds of platforms are reliable for uh, this kind of purpose. Where with Slack, they don't limit your engagement and reach in any way. They just give you uh, a place where people would hang out. And yeah, that's basically it. You control that place. That's very important. Mm-hmm. And do you believe that product-led growth in general is more than just acquiring new users? It does it also have to be community building and a lot of other things? And if so, what other things? Uh, I have no idea what product-led growth even means, to be honest. So uh, those terms seem like worthy of uh, uh, sprawling some SaaS philosophers or something who would explain <laughs> to us what product-growth-led uh, what product-led growth is or isn't. Uh, what I can tell you is that for us specifically, I know for sure that the quality of our product was critical for our success. All that marketing was doing, whether it was creating content or uh, facilitating a community or like some paid promotion, we were simply telling people about the awesomeness of our product. So if the product was bad, then we'd have to use those tricks. We'd have to overpromise. We'd have to trick people to give us their emails, credit card details and such. But we didn't have to do that because the product was awesome. So I wholeheartedly believe that creating an awesome product is critical for for the company growth. Um, if I remember it right, uh, there's a great quote by Ryan Holiday, uh, a prolific writer. Uh, he said, promotion is not how things are made great. It's how, they, how they're heard about. So uh, this is a quote, if I'm not mistaken, from his book, Perennial Seller. And it struck a chord with me quite significantly. Uh, and uh, this is what I saw with HFs. So the the main objective of marketing was to promote the awesomeness of hrefs to people marketing didn't have to make our product awesome marketing just had to tell people how awesome we are and it was the job of our developers and our product team our ui ux specialists to make an awesome product well in part it's also uh it's also the job of marketers because Again, we are going into philosophical area here, like what is marketing? But the word marketing has the word market in it. So in part, you have to study the market. You have to understand what it wants. And you have to create the kind of product that the market would want to have. So yeah, uh, product is absolutely critical. So if if someone is struggling with marketing, maybe they should look into their product uh, and see if it is awesome enough. And what are some of the things you would like to highlight about your product that you personally absolutely love? 
the main in in our situation a lot depends on the quality of data because we are not a typical tool for example we are using uh, a tool for feature requests called Kenny uh, it's a great tool we like it a lot uh, very uh, very simple and useful interface lots of uh, nice features that we use but essentially uh, not to criticize them but they are kind of like an overpriced forum because it's just a place for people to leave messages and for other people to post replies to these messages and create upvotes for these messages. It's almost like Reddit, uh, just in a different interface. So it's that kind of product. It doesn't require a lot of technical expertise. It is fairly easy to build. In our case, to, to create a product like Ahrefs, you have to visit all of the pages that exist on the internet. You have to store them on your servers. You have to revisit them fairly often to pick up any changes to those pages. And then at a click of a button, you have to be able to sort through those like, I don't know, hundreds of petabytes of data and give people whatever insights they're looking for in a matter of seconds. That is a huge technical achievement. So the big part of success for a company like Ahrefs lies in our ability to be able to do this, I don't know, technical miracle. Let's call it like that. For, for a company like Kenny, which, which doesn't require that kind of technical skill, uh, their business growth and their marketing strategies and their business strategies would be entirely different from ours. Homepage copy cost you around $33,000. How do you believe uh, this helped your brand gain visibility or what did you like about the website? Uh, so the homepage copy was a public case study more than anything else. It was like uh, our version of a reality show, uh, making something that would be interesting to people in our industry, uh, which is why when we needed to revamp uh, our homepage. We didn't just write the copy ourselves, but we decided to make it into an interesting case of hiring three different copywriting agencies and seeing what kind of copy each of them would be able to come up with and uh, if we would be uh, eager to use any of those versions or if we would go with something uh, kind of taken from the best ideas from each agency which we actually, spoiler, spoiler alert, which we ended up doing eventually. We just took the best ideas and kind of created the Frankenstein kind of copy uh, out of what uh, three agencies have given us. And in terms of what it did, it's not that this copy is any better than what like some, I don't know, junior copywriter would write. Maybe not junior, but a skilled copywriter uh, who is working in their company and understands what your company is about and how to sell your product. It's just the actual case is interesting and it provided something for people in our industry to talk about, something to discuss, uh, just generated a little bit of buzz around uh, our product and how we approach marketing. It just like turning a, one could say, mundane marketing task of updating the copy of a homepage to an interesting experiment slash reality show. 
And would you describe this as one example of the unconventional marketing that Ahrefs has been doing since its beginning? Yeah, probably this could be uh, an example of unconventional marketing. So it really is about trying to think of ideas out of the box that no one has done before. And I think if someone tries to copy your idea, it would no longer be unconventional because, uh, because it really has to be something out of the box. Yeah, probably, probably. Uh, as a marketer, because again, our company is in a rather unique position because we are creating a marketing tool for marketers. So I am a marketer who has to market to marketers. Uh, this is uh, a quite unique position to be in. So, and being in this position, I constantly think of how to attract attention of other marketers, like what I would be interested in, what would catch my attention, I don't know, on social media or when I go to, to have beers with my friends who work in, uh, in other industries, which is why whenever we, we need to do something, often we are trying to think like how to make it more interesting, how to make it more entertaining. And then again, in terms of our day-to-day -day jobs, it makes our day-to-day -day jobs more interesting as well because we don't just update the homepage copy, we turn that into a fun experiment uh, then that we can discuss with other people in the industry. So could you give us some examples of marketing campaigns from other companies that have gained your attention as a marketer? Uh, it's hard to, to come up with anything on the spot. Probably something very trivial, like, I don't know, a Lego movie. Basically, mm -hmm. Lego movie is just a huge campaign to sell more of Lego. <laughs> Uh, and it's pretty cool. This is how, or the, mo the more recent example is probably uh, the famous YouTuber, Mr. Beast, who uh, published a video about him recreating the uh, chocolate factory, Willy Wonka's chocolate factory or something like this. And uh, then I, I saw someone's tweet. I didn't watch the actual video. I don't really follow Mr. Beast, but I saw someone's tweet that Mr. Beast actually launched his own chocolate bar and basically, this whole video was an enormous ad for his uh, chocolate brand, which was pretty cool, if you ask me. <laughs> okay. And what would be a way in which B2B marketers can kind of gain this kind of attention? Uh, great question. I don't think I have a specific answer for this. Uh, other than... You have to put yourself in the shoes of, of your customers, of the people who you're, try, who you're trying to sell to. And you have to think what would catch their attention. Like if you are seeking for their attention, like there are, there are like different things you could be doing. You can be serving their demand. So if they're searching for something on Google and you provide the solution, then SEO is what you should be doing. You should be answering their demand. But if you're in the kind of situation where people are not actively searching for what you're doing, they're not aware they have this problem, then you have to be fighting for their attention. You have to, uh, you have to be the tweet on Twitter that they would see. You have to be the Facebook post that they would see. And in this situation, you have to think of, of what my target audience might be interested in, what might catch their attention. What are, I don't know, the buzzwords, what are the recent events? Uh, what kind of stunt or experiment I should do uh, to catch their attention and to make them want to click.
So yeah, it's it's a very hard question. I don't think there is a specific formula to how to do this. It would be very unique to every industry and to every product and to every service. Okay, so speaking of marketers and marketing, uh, if we were to leave all that aside, what would you be doing in life if not this? Ah, amazing question. Before tapping into marketing, I actually used to be a DJ uh, in the nightclub. (laughs) Yeah, and I also tried to produce my own music, but uh, I quickly understood that I'm lacking the uh, formal musical education. So I don't understand like the notes and like how they work with each other, the chords and such. So probably uh, in, in another chance, uh, at my career, I actually I, I kind of like the the show business. I like the business of entertainment. Uh, those successes of YouTubers and the fun things that they're doing and the, their creativity, uh, it always inspires me. So probably those those marketing stunts with investing thirty thousand dollars into homepage copy revamp, it's maybe in a way a testament to Mr. Beast and the stuff that he is doing. So probably uh, I would have tried to go into show business and, I don't know, work with some YouTubers and help them uh, create something interesting. I don't know. But as you said earlier, as well of marketing, that marketing itself is not a real thing. It's like market plus ING. So it doesn't really mean anything. But uh, so it is also showbiz in the same way is very unconventional. You don't really need to have any... uh, a prior grounding so what do you think uh, yeah. even in the case of but in the case of music i suppose you need to have some prior grounding but not necessarily i suppose people have made music who've just come later in life and so do you think you're ever going to return to that <laughs> uh i will i actually requested <laughs> from my wife on my birthday uh, a synthesizer so uh i'm not sure i will ever have enough time to actually produce something worthy of showing to other people uh, but one thing for sure, I will have some fun uh, in my bedroom with this synthesizer. All right. Well, that was the last question. Thanks, everyone, for joining us for this month's episode of Outgrow's Market of the Month. That was Tim Solar, who is the CMO at Ahrefs. Thanks for joining us, Tim. Thanks for having me. Check out their website for more details, and we'll see you once again next month with another Marketer of the Month.